0: What's going on, Whisper Nation? If you're listening to this, this is the full matchup episode part two, and you're listening to it because we have released it for free on all podcast platforms. Uh, But that will not be the case after week four as we will be going exclusively to Patreon. So if you want to continue to hear all these juicy nuggets of fantasy goodness, you're going to want to go over to Patreon and subscribe to the Fantasy Whispers on Patreon today. The $1 level a month uh, tier gets you The full matchup audio and the $5 allows you to see my beautiful face along with the other guys. Right here. What's going on, Whisper Nation? It is part two of our week three matchup show. I am Big Travy. You can find me on Twitter at Big TFW. And tonight I am joined by a card holding member of the California Cardigan Club. My
1: guy, ARC, Austin Sear. How's it going, brother? It's going really well. Things got a lot warmer once that card came in the mail. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> you can find Austin uh, at Austin underscore R underscore seer at that. Yeah, on Twitter. Sorry, you can find him at that tag on Twitter. Uh, and then on the other, mic is my partner in crime, the founder of the Dante Pettis fan club, oh, Johnny wow, Game Time Hicks. Dude, that's,
2: that's <laughs> cold-blooded, dude. I had to
0: go there. I'm sorry. It's been a while. Oh, man.
2: I was actually ah, rest. I was, I feel so bad for the guy. I was thinking about him the other day and you know, we were talking about the alt, you know, the game time sucking list and you know, he is the perfect candidate for it. And I was thinking about it, but there's no way my heart would ever, ever let me do that to Dante Pettis. I'm feeling for the guy. Come on, man.
0: Yeah, well, I, that's just one I had to bring back for the uh, OGs of the show to remind them all of your love for Dante Pettis. But, guys, oh, Summy tonight, he's feeling a little under the weather. We wish the best for Summy. You can find his stats and takes at Summe, TFW, uh on Twitter. But tonight it's just the three of us, and we're going to go through part two. We gave you part one already. You can find that on all the podcast platforms. But if you're not subscribed to us over on YouTube, make sure you are because not only do we drop pieces of this show – So you can have those condensed matchups. But we've got our lineup show on Sunday morning that's live. And the three of us also do the injury news and notes roundup every Friday to get you prepped for your lineups uh, going into Sunday. So make sure you are subscribed at the YouTube channel. That's searching the Fantasy Whispers over on YouTube.com. But uh, before we start the show, guys, I wanted to give a couple rounds of keep trade cut for the Whisper Nation faithful out there. And Austin, I'm going to start with you. This one's a big, heavy hitter at the top of, of lineups is the quarterback position. And at the top of the quarterback position, uh, the number one QB in fantasy is Russ, Russell Wilson. They're letting him cook. The number two fantasy quarterback is Josh the Stallion, Allen. And the number three fantasy quarterback, back from injury, back from the depths of darkness, Cam Newton. Uh, so, Austin, I got to ask you, are you keeping, trading, cutting? Which three guys here, uh, or which uh, which of these would you keep, trade, cut?
1: I'm going to keep Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is cooking. They are finally allowing him to unleash and show us all that he has not just been a product of the system, he elevates the system. And Russell Wilson doing what Russell Wilson can do is a good thing for any team that has Russell Wilson rostered, including the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I'm keeping him. I don't see this slowing down. I think he's going to be the number one quarterback in all of fantasy. I think he's going to be the MVP. I don't see this slowing down. I only actually see it getting even better if that's possible or staying at this pace. I would trade Cam Newton because I don't believe you can get a hotter storyline right now and the value is going to be through the roof for Cam Newton. There's nobody who wouldn't want to get their hands on that. He's not just running the ball. He's throwing for like 400 yards. And I don't see this really slowing down moving forward in this Bill Belichick system of his and i would cut josh allen i wouldn't love to do it but i'm just not sold that josh allen is as legit as his start has indicated if he keeps it up i'm not surprised Uh, but josh allen just seems like someone who runs because he has to not because it's the most advantaged situation for the play at hand so he looks like he is not in control of all the plays that he makes happen. So I would let him go. I would trade Cam Newton. I would keep Russell Wilson.
0: Yeah, I kind of set you up a little bit for failure with those three big names, but I like how you did it there. And I like you the point on Josh Allen definitely has faced the least amount of competition of those three quarterbacks um, as far as the opposing team. Johnny, on the running back side of things, I'm going to give you running back seven, eight, and 10. So running back seven is Dalvin Cook. Running back eight is Chris Carson. And running back 10 is your boy, Nick Chubb. Keep trade cut.
2: All right. So I'm going to. This is a good one. It was. So it's Dalvin. It's
0: Dalvin Cook, Chris Carson, Nick Chubb.
2: I'm going to cut Chris Carson. I hate to say that, but I got to cut Chris Carson because the trade value, because people know Russ is cooking. So uh, the trade value there is not going to be as significant uh I am going to I'm going to trade Dalvin Cook because he is going to get me the most in return and then I'm going to roll with Nick Chubb because as much as the haters want to keep saying it the dude keeps producing so I understand you had to give up a first or second rounder that sucked I get it and I get it Cream Hunt is a good running back but here's the reality they are still using Nick Chubb. He's still getting you massive yards and massive games. Are you not happy with 24 fantasy points? Unreal. Yeah, I'm keeping my boy Nick Chubb, baby.
1: I don't think anybody's unhappy with Nick Chubb, man.
0: Uh, I, <laughs>
2: well, there is, well, there is some I mean,
0: concern on FF Twitter about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but you're not, you're not upset with what Nick Chubb's given you. Yeah. You just think, you know, you're just being selfish and wanting a little bit more uh, because Kareem Hunt exists, You want the right? bell cow. But,
2: the bell cow, as they at, say.
0: <laughs> the bell cow of the ball. Yeah. Uh, Austin, at the tight end position, we're going to have a couple gaps in between these positions, but number six is Darren Waller. Number eight is Dallas Goddard. And number 10 is TJ Hawkinson. Keep,
1: trade, cut. Keep Darren Waller. Trade, Hawkinson, cut. I already forgot who you said the last one. That's how I read da- no. Hawkinson Goddard. was yeah, the last Goddard. one. Dallas Goddard. Now, Goddard. Yeah, I'm I'm cutting Goddard because you're not going to get very much trade value for the number two tight end. I know there's this storyline. People want to say he is jumping Zach Ertz, and if he does, great. You got a one A one B tight end situation over there. It's tough to trade out tight ends as is. Uh, TJ Hawkinson might be one you can get away with though because of that draft pedigree coming in as the number one drafted tight end just two years ago. He's breaking out right now. He's looking like he could be a top choice there for Matt Stafford. I would. Love to keep holding on to Darren Waller. He is the main vein of that passing attack. He's like literally the only guy who's not 17 years old playing for them from the wideout position with both rookies, uh, Edwards and Ruggs on either side. Waller is leading the league in tight end receptions at 24. Travis Kelsey's number two at 20. And number three is a distant third. And like I said with you the other day, John Gruden is so crazy. You could see him reviewing stats of Darren Waller saying, we want to get the man more looks. I believe
0: it's like it's Kylo Ren in Star Wars. She's going to say more. <laughs>
1: Give me more.
0: That's exactly. definitely what. Uh, yeah, that's what you feel like with Waller. I would actually. I'm just going to say this really quickly. I think I would trade Waller because I think his value is the highest of these guys. And I would stick with Goddard and I would cut Hawkinson. I haven't liked Hawkinson's snap share, and I don't know if I buy that Hawkinson's breakout is this year. I do believe he's breaking out, but I think it might we might be a year too early on TJ Hawkinson. So, uh, but I could be wrong. Johnny, I want to kick it over to the wide receivers here. It's a ancillary. I thought
2: thought you were going to go with kickers and give me a kicker question. (laughs) I was going to be like, oh, Oh, it's actually
0: fantasy punters. (laughs) Uh, At the wide receiver position, I've got three ancillary pieces here. Uh, At number 15 fantasy uh, wide receiver on the year through two games is Keelan Cole. Number 16 is Marquez Valdez Scantling. And number 17 is Russell Gage. I was really excited to pick this batch of three. Inciliary pieces that have had some good production this year, and I'm going to make you keep trade cut this batch of three: Keelan Cole, MVS, Russell Gage.
2: Wow, this one is difficult. This is uh, this. All three of these guys have very, very high upside. They start off really well. Uh, I would, I would, I would cut Russell Gage because I think that Russell Gage. uh, I'm still not. I'm not sold 100% on his target market share. I mean, he's getting the second most uh targets there uh, amongst the three wide receivers. I don't know if that continues. Uh I would trade I would I, I would keep Cole because I I think the upside is still there. Like I do think that there is a potential outcome where uh, you know, he is kind of that wide receiver one, and it's like a one A and one B with him and Chark. Um, I I think that he has the talent to do that, and then uh, I would trade. Who was the third guy you had just said? Sorry, oh MBS, MBS, yeah, I would. I would probably trade MBS. That that hurt. I like MBS, man, but he might have the least amount of value, so you might have to cut him. And actually, I
0: actually think that. And I'm going to ask Austin to weigh in here. I actually think that Russell Gage may have the best value to trade with uh, right now, just given the high potency of that offense and the defense in Atlanta. I I mean, what a world we we live in where Austin all offseason was trying to get us on the Russell Gage bandwagon, and here we are. And I actually think Russell Gage, number 17, lowest of these three, has the most value, Austin.
1: Didn't the man just throw a touchdown pass? yeah he, yeah, he should tried he, he tried yeah awesome, that wasn't on man. him that was on julio yeah that, that was... was definitely on julio i'm gonna still say he threw a touchdown pass it didn't end up counting as a touchdown but the man <laughs> threw a touchdown pass it was a and touchdown
0: I, pass in our hearts
1: when i was when i was hyping russell gage all off season and picking him up in our dynasty rookie draft this year i didn't even know the man was going to be throwing touchdown passes <laughs> like cheat code hello I no, thought you were gonna I'm, go the other way and say that you did know he would be throwing touchdowns. I would never lie to you. I would never lie to you. <laughs> you know what's
2: Alex. kind you know of what funny? You, well, the funny thing is like I I am just as shocked as you guys are. But in but at the same time, I'm not shocked because Mohamed Sanu was throwing touchdowns. We just didn't know that Gage had an arm, dude. Like he and has he really a cannon. Does, right?
1: Like, and the thing that gets me really excited about Gage right now, the fact is they're involving him in these weird plays, which means they're thinking of him as an integral part of this team, right? Okay. Like if you're drawing up design t- touchdown throws from Russell Gage to Julio Jones, you know who the man is, you're right. It's not some walk-on who is like, you're like, what can, can this guy fill a role? Like, no, you're designing work around Russell Gage,
0: right? Yeah, I would. Uh, I I like that. Uh... I mean, I think Russell Gage is probably the guy I'm sticking with on this, but I think the trade value may be better here. Keelan Cole, I agree with you, Johnny. I wrote about this in the waiver wire article that I think he's got a shot to be the number one. And MVS, I want to love so much as a Packers fan, but he is not catching a lot of his uh, targets right now. He's not being very efficient with one, his targets. One so, could that, say he's a bit scary.
2: one could say he's the AJ Green in and uh, Lambeau. Yeah.
0: close, close to it. All right, well, that wraps up our keep trade cut segment, and we will jump right now into the matchups part two of week three. And we left off with a good one here, or what we thought maybe coming into the year would be a good one. And that is the Houston Texans visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field. It's a 45-point over-under with Pittsburgh favored by four points. And so, Johnny, I want to talk to you. When we look at this Pittsburgh team, what are some of the things you're looking at the most, uh, as far as fantasy football is concerned with this squad?
2: I am so excited for this game. This game is lining up to be just a sneaky play here Uh, from you know Ben Roethlisberger coming back. We had all these questions, right? A lot of a lot of fans had questions whether or not uh, Big Ben can return to uh, his his prior dominance a few years ago what, how was this wide receiving core gonna pan out uh so that we we're, we're we're slowly seeing through these games what's happening and we like what we're seeing we're seeing very very uh you know fantasy fantasy friendly assets here but what i want to know is who is the best guy to target is the wide receiver one in pittsburgh juju or is it our boy on the show deontay johnson i that 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 is a battle that we will continue to watch week in and week out i'm i'm excited to get uh, austin's input on that what he sees there and i want to know because i was a part of it who here wasted their money and their fab money on benny snell here anyone in any leagues like that that was me I needed a running back real yeah. bad. Yes. And I, I oh knew it. God. I knew that, it. This would happen. That
1: sound bite. And of course it would spice. happen.
2: I know. Spice, yeah. Of course.
0: I, I want to it with uh, some of our, uh, our takes in, uh, you know, mock traps this, this past fall, but Austin, let's get started here. Let's talk at the top with Ben Roethlisberger. Cause you were either in one camp or the other. You either thought Ben Roethlisberger was washed and his elbow was done or you thought that he had a chance to stay healthy and get it done this week uh, or this year. What are you seeing from him, and what do you see in this matchup against the Texans that you like
1: or don't like? I think we're looking at more of a big Ben Roethlisberger of old, which is somebody with an extremely high ceiling who can drop 500 yards any given week, three touchdowns, no problem. He can also flip it around for 195 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick or two. It's just what you're going to get when you pick up Big Ben. He can win you leagues, um, and you're drafting a quarterback there late. Big Ben doesn't go off the board early, and this is part of the reason why. And I think that he's a very safe, very good week-to-week type of player. If I had Big Ben, I would hope to have another quality quarterback on my roster to fill in against tougher matchups. This week is not one of those weeks, though. I feel really good about Big Ben against Houston uh, and rolling him out. And it's really just a take a look at who the defense is. Um, And if it's somebody who's got a a couple holes in their secondary, get them going. They have pretty nice pass protection going on in Pittsburgh. They're the number nine ranked pass blocking efficient team. Big Ben Roethlisberger is number 26 out of 32 in terms of pressure that he's taken. So he's getting time to operate, scan the field, and find his weapons there, as Johnny mentioned, and Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, as well as James Connor with a nice bounce back week last week. So uh, I like yeah, the so weapons that we're seeing.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that Connor uh, situation because, you know, I remember last week advising Whisper Nation look, I don't know if I can trust Connor after the way Monday night went. And so basically, you know, if they took advice that, you know, and, and, and really I think this was how it was across, you know, fantasy football community, they sat James Connor in his 16 carries and 106 yards. I sat Do you him. feel like. Do you I... feel like you're going to be chasing points here, Austin?
1: No, I don't. I am also with Johnny in that I sat James Conner in my hometown league and uh, ended up – I would have lost my matchup anyways with that one, but it didn't help, <laughs> and uh, I'm feeling good about him moving forward. We talked a little bit about that conspiracy theory that Mike Tomlin wanted to get Benny Snell some action. Uh, conspiracy theory, move on to a new one, because, or it's or double down on it right now, and it's getting really freaky. But James Conner showed up last week. 16 touches, 106 yards, two catches, uh, five of the seven red zone touches. um, And he had the only red zone target he produced. He looked good. Uh, Benny Snell, three rushes for five yards, one catch for negative four yards. Uh, So that means he ended up at one yard for the entire game on six attempts. Um, I would be chasing those points if you're a Benny Snell roster uh yeah. so james connor looks to me like the guy they wanted that injury he suffered in week one i would believe it was legitimate and he's healthy now moving forward
0: so we've got a situation where houston is bottom 10 in both rush and pass defense and so that means we're firing up juju smith schuster of course i mean based on what you've seen out of him in the two touchdowns in week one eight targets in week two but austin break it down for me on deontay johnson who has had the market share as the number
1: one wide receiver in pittsburgh through two games well he's definitely getting a lot of touches uh he's getting a lot of passes thrown his way when we look at the full market share juju smith schuster is no slouch right now he is out there at uh, an 88.4 percent rate and deontay johnson is a little bit lower than that at eighty-four and a half percent so juju smith schuster It looks to me still like the guy they want to be that number one. Deontay Johnson has been showing up and producing and might be Big Ben's favorite target. I'm not sold on the sample size, though, just yet to make a declaration of who is going to be that number one. I would still lean on what was before we start crowning what we think is. Uh, It's harder for a young receiver to come in and jump over another young receiver who's already had a 1,400-yard season uh, Deontay Johnson certainly has the capabilities of making that happen. Uh, but obviously then so does Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, so there's no real reason to believe that Juju Smith-Schuster can't perform at an elite level like we've seen him do in the past, Antonio Brown alongside him or not. So for me, I'm not crowning either one. If I had to take one of the two, I would still start Juju Smith-Schuster because I'm not chasing points the way you alluded to. I think the coaching, the narrative um and even the statistics would at least support that point. It doesn't sell it hard. It's not a locked in matter of fact. Um but if I had to pick one or the other at this point in time, I'm taking Juju, but next week depending on what we see, that could change. My opinion does with new information.
0: I think both are startable in this matchup as we said uh, above,
1: yep. we have Houston as a, as a bad, you know, bad defense
0: all the way around and this is exploitable here. Um, And they're at home. So give me both of these guys. But I like Austin's point about let's not forget about Juju so fast just because we're seeing good targets out of Deontay Johnson. I, on the other side I of the I do want to say
2: that on that note, if I would go out and buy him, I think it's clear we know what this role is. He's got the A-B role, which is his favorite. And he's actually out-targeted. He hasn't out-snapped Juju, but he's actually out-targeted Juju through two games. And, like, if you look at the two touchdowns that Juju – scored it was on wide open over the middle it wasn't anything special uh i think that they as the season continues and big ben gets a feel for like ab is is was his guy and that's where deontay deontay's about to break out big and if you can go get him i'm telling you whisper nation go trade for him now it might be the last chance i think
0: think to austin's point at the top talking about big ben this has to just mean more good things for big Ben having both those guys to throw to on the other side of the ball uh, we've got the Houston Texas and honestly Johnny this this offense is kind of looking disappointing through two games any hope here with this Pittsburgh Steelers defense uh, you know that you you could see this team bounce back
2: yeah it's gonna be a little bit of a rough one uh, but David Johnson should still get the bulk of the touches uh you got to hope that he can fall into the end zone. You did see a little bit that the Steelers were a little susceptible to the run last week. Uh Melvin Gordon had a decent day uh running, and so you can get them on the ground if you're going to attack Pittsburgh, it's going to be on the ground uh but it's it's through, you know, uh the zone blocking scheme, which is what uh they are are really good at. So this will be a lot of fun watching this. I'm excited to ro- watch this battle. But I will let uh, fantasy, the people who roster David Johnson, even if he does not, uh, you know, perform to your expectations this this week, go out and buy him low. Uh, he's a buy low now. Uh, he will turn this around and, and he will be he's got a much easier schedule ahead. They just had a brutal first three weeks.
1: And Austin, their a buy low.
0: Yeah, Austin, I was just going to ask because the, the schedule does turn around here and they've had a tough draw here. You played the Super Bowl champs on opening night in Kansas City. You played one of the better defenses in the entire NFL in Baltimore, and now you're playing maybe the best defense in the NFL as far as skill possessions at all three levels in Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, Austin, walk me through what Deshaun Watson, uh, GM, should be thinking right now and, and what your what your you know take is on this passing attack.
1: I'm holding Deshaun Watson if I can. This is one of the most dynamic playmakers we have at the quarterback position in the NFL. Uh, The Michael Jordan of quarterbacks, as his college coach said, and Travi likes to remind us of, it's been a tough shake for them to start. I think it's telling of what kind of team this is, and it's a good team, but it's not a team at that upper level. It's not an upper echelon contending team. They might figure it out because they have the pieces, But Bill O'Brien's made some questionable decisions um, from his GM scoping. And it looks like it might be starting to have an impact on the real quality of this squad, whether it's holes in the offensive line, whether it's just not surrounding um, the team with the type of playmakers that they need. And speaking of those playmakers like Will Fuller, we know how amazing he is, how incredible of a talent and explosive a player he can be. Uh, but he played a Casper role last week. He was gone, and it got strange. People didn't know what was happening, why he was out. Uh, The commentary after the game was really weird, too. You know, it was like, he just needs to, well, 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 I'll I'll figure it out later. And then there was, like, no comment about it. And you had this from Deshaun Watson. You had this from Bill O'Brien. And it looks like it's a hamstring issue. It looks like something they're trying to keep on the DL, but it looks like a tissue issue. And I would put my money on it's going to be lasting like all season. If are they're we like starting sneaky?
0: Are we starting Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks this week, uh, going up against the Steelers defense?
1: I mean, the no. answer is always the same thing. Uh, um, if you have somebody better to start, start the start the person who's better. <laughs> but it's if if it's a coin toss, I'm saying no. Uh, I do not like the Steelers matchup on this one. It's a really good defense, um, and. It's it's been tough to see. There's just no consistency yet. Like, you can take, if, if I put Fuller in my flex and you felt like he was healthy, but he's not, no, I would just fade it if you can. But yeah. Johnny's point about David Johnson being a volume play, he's the only halfback over there right now. Duke Johnson is still kind of battered up, and they're, they're just going to keep feeding David Johnson until he falls apart.
0: Hold on these Texans, start David Johnson, but hold on the Texans, uh, skill players to Johnny and Austin's point. After this, they play the Vikings, Jaguars, Titans, Packers, and then the Jags again. You like that slate of games coming up uh, because you think that the maybe the offense can get right here. All right, moving on to our next matchup, we have the Tennessee Titans visiting one of the worst teams and maybe surprisingly worst teams in the NFL, the Minnesota Vikings. This is a 47-and-a-half point over under sneaky shootout with two-and-a-half points being the line here. Tennessee favored by you know just under a field goal so Austin when you look at you know the this team the the teams here sorry Minnesota when you look at Minnesota and what they've got going on I said you know surprisingly pretty bad but you know not a great showing against the Colts how are you feeling about this Minnesota team right now as a Packers
1: fan I (laughs) like no no joke (laughs) Um, I would be a little bit concerned about this whole situation right now. Um, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, Adam Thielen is, I'm not worried about Adam Thielen right now. It looks like they're going to make bad decisions to his benefit. And Dalvin Cook is doing what you're kind of hoping that he's going to be doing. But this whole team looks like one that's just in somewhat disarray. And I wouldn't be feeling great about it as a Vikings fan.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Johnny, we've got a situation here that actually might work out really well, like Austin said, for Adam Thielen and even Dalvin Cook, if they can get him more involved in the passing game. But that's that this defense is just a funnel to give up a ton of points. And so this team is going to be fighting back in a lot of games. Uh, Unfortunately, that hasn't meant good things for Kirk Cousins. But what does it mean for the other playmakers on this offense?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, there's a potential for Adam Thielen to be a buy low right now. Uh, Like you said, that defense is really bad, and so they're going to be trailing in a lot of games. Uh, That's not going to change, and so, uh, you know, Adam Thielen had a a down game, and that's going to happen, but we know what Adam Thielen's ceiling is, and it's what he did in week one, uh, or sorry, week two. Uh, No, take three. Uh, we know what he did in week one and he exploded and in week one and week two uh he didn't do so well so uh that is the ceiling that's the floor of adam thielen uh and that's going to happen but overall you're going to be uh, happy with putting adam thielen in your uh starting uh, lineup so they are going to be behind in a lot of games
0: yeah so a banged up secondary for tennessee right now Dory jackson on the ir malcolm butler has not participated in practice neither is Chris Jackson and then the only healthy starter is Jonathan Joseph who is not the greatest lockdown corner that he used to be when he was younger Um, so we're starting Adam Thielen I think you can be confident this week that he can get back right Dalvin Cook is another one you like here Tennessee has actually been the eighth worst defense against the run you like the points in this game 47 and a half over under and you like the fact that Dalvin Cook's found the end zone in both games and been a a cog for this offense uh, and maybe the only cog outside of Adam Thielen I, we're not confident uh, in either of the tight ends. You know, Kyle Rudolph or Irv Smith, you're probably not rostering them and can, definitely yeah. not in Kirk Cousins. You can uh, definitely you can cut them. Let them go.
2: You can definitely cut those tight ends.
0: Austin, it gets a little more interesting when we go to the other side of the ball with the Tennessee Titans. We've got Ryan Tannehill. We've, of course, got Derrick Henry and then Jonu Smith working a, a breakout candidate uh, this season as fantasy football's number one tight end through two weeks.
1: I don't think that's going to slow down though, and there's not a lot of. I mean, he it is going to slow down in that there's other tight ends who are going to step up. I mean, George Kittle really hasn't played at all. Uh, Travis Kelsey's going to keep doing what he's doing. Uh, Darren Waller, uh, Mark Andrews is like the number eight tight end right now, so I see that moving up as well. But Jonu Smith is going to be a top five tight end. We've expected, hit, we've known that he's an athletic, playmaking type of player who's now. Going to be benefiting from not a lot of people ahead of him. Right now, Corey Davis is the only guy who's maybe ahead of him. And Jonu Smith is actually probably the choice number one ahead of Corey Davis until A.J. Brown gets back. He's not back. He's dealing with a Bone bruise. He's going to be out this week, it looks like, again. And this could linger, and it could uh, last for several more weeks. So this looks pretty bad. And Corey Davis, I like his outlook. I will talk about him in a second. But Jonu Smith is going to be benefiting from this a lot. And I'd be feeling really good if you had him in your lineup.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you know, sp- speaking well, of Jonu Smith, he's he's got an ankle thing, and he he's kind of missing yeah, practice was- here and there. You've you've got to watch that. I don't know if it's going to be anything serious, but we've got a situation here where it's such a smash spot here against Minnesota. Like we said, forty-seven and a half points in this over/under. We know it's Jonu, and we know we're probably streaming Ryan Tannehill, if not trying to roll with Tannehill for as long as we've got him. But, Johnny, I think it gets a little more interesting when we talk about Corey Davis. Are you okay with firing up Corey Davis, or do you think it's a trap?
2: Uh, No, I would fire up your—this is Minnesota. You're firing up pass catchers. You're fine with it this week. It's an elite
1: defense? (laughs) You're
2: definitely definitely starting Corey Davis. But I would actually, after that, uh, I would sell high on these guys because A.J. Brown— should be back uh shortly and so he will be a, a major target um in this in this offense so that's going to take away targets from Corey Davis it will take targets away from Jonu I do still think Jonu will be a good solid tight end but I do think that will limit to where he is right now uh and and same with Corey Davis I think Corey Davis has been targeted heavily uh because there's no other wide receiver to target right now well, let me go, let me just Humphrey's give the listeners there,
1: yeah. let me give the listeners something that's going to make them feel good right now. If you've got Corey <laughs> Davis and you're thinking about and you and you are and you are playing Corey Davis like I am in our league of record this week, and I'm freaking stoked about it. We're talking about a fourth-year wide receiver who was taken fourth overall. This is a guy with incredible pedigree, and if you was, look at the truther comments out there on the internet, it's if you give the it man was ninth,
2: a, right? It was ninth overall, right?
1: By the way, ten. he's a first, he's a top first ten. round pick. Yeah, yeah. Top ten, you can't take the air out of this balloon. Hey, yeah, game I time. was just gonna say, you does not does No, no, no. Just, and if you're gonna be flo- if you're gonna be freaking inflating Corey Davis, you're gonna be a little bit off. All right. So that's what's no, just gonna yeah, happen anytime you're talking about. You're gonna about start Corey. him Literally, this week. You're gonna this be a week, little off in the yeah. head. Yeah. No, this um, week, yeah, he's yeah he's you're definitely starting year him this week after year after year. But the man is a top ten drafted wide receiver in his fourth year, who's shown flashes here and there. That's that's that. It's like when you're a bad golfer but you go out on the course to play 18 and you have like two good shots out of 130 and you're like though but those two shots man I can play this game. I know what this is about. Corey Davis has done that the first 3 years in his career. Keeps giving you just a couple good shots while you hit a one. I can't believe okay. we're talking da- ten, yeah Corey like Davis 10 minutes Devontae, on Corey Davis is Devontae unbelievable. Parker.
0: Devontae Parker and Corey Davis remind me of the old man sitting on the porch, drinking lemonade, telling you the same story and acting like Devontae it's a new one every time. Parker finished last year,
1: Big Travi? Yeah, I know
0: hey, what can, hey, can, 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 can we move on? Can we move on?
2: Can we move on? Is
0: that on? So, wide? Is one maybe elite? <laughs> All right. So moving on to the next one, we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers here as they host the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Maybe the biggest storyline here has not too much to do with fantasy football and the fact that the Los Angeles Chargers doctor tried to kill Tyrod Taylor by injecting him with a rib, uh, well, with a a rib injection to try and ease the pain and punctured his lung, uh, and he had to go to the hospital. So he will not be playing this week. Uh, And so what this means is we've got the Herbert versus the Tyrod dynamic in this offense, and it literally has changed – one game sample size for each. So we don't really know, but I think we have an idea, Johnny, of how this is going to work with Justin Herbert compared to Tyrod Taylor. So why don't you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So they came out and said, Herbert will be the starter. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, obviously Carolina is not the best defense. So uh, I, am I starting Herbert this week and a two quarterback league? Yeah, I'll fire him up. Uh, but you know and a single quarterback league you no know, i i, I want to see it uh, again before and also there's not a long term uh like i guess i wouldn't even stream him at that point uh, but i will say he last week he came out he moved this offense he made this offense look like the old chargers offense uh and you're you're looking at what the what he did for these running backs he made eckler actually you know look like a good running back again and then you know the big surprise here jo- uh, joshua kelly who comes in gets 50 percent of the snaps but more importantly is taking all of the red zone carries he had 11 uh and eckler only had four so um and then if you're going inside the five uh kelly had all of them so I just think that Kelly is is priming for a big breakout. Uh, He has only two fewer targets than Austin Eckler. And I think that fantasy owners throughout halfway through this season are going to be very disappointed uh, that they drafted Eckler. Um, He'll still get volume. But I don't
0: don't know if I agree 100 percent only if Herbert is able to start for an extended period of time. Then I would actually be okay with where you took Eckler in, in his production because you'd mentioned the three targets, five to three targets, uh, you know, how Kelly has got that. But those three targets are mostly from that game two with Herbert. So you did see yeah. Eckler get back into his receiving role with Herbert in the offense. I actually I, think in this spot, facing the 32 rank, ranked defense uh, oh. in the NFL right now, you're starting both of these guys with pretty much good confidence that both can get it done in a smash spot here. Yeah, uh, I definitely think it over though. Yeah, go for it.
2: Well, I definitely think you do start both of these guys, but I would sell high on Eckler after this game uh, because you, yeah, you mentioned the five targets, but if you're saying that you, he he's not going to get the red zone carries or, and he's only going to get, you know, five touches or 10 touches a game, that's, that's, that's essentially
0: what he did last year uh, with, with Melvin Gordon back. So I, I, I don't know if it's, it's ter- terrible if, if Herbert can stay that consistent. I know it's one game. So maybe you don't buy the, the rookie uh, getting it done on, for an extended period of time. That's fine. I, I understand that. I want to talk about the wide receiving core, though, Johnny. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have basically flip-flopped each game. Uh, with Tyrod Taylor, it seemed to be the Mike Williams show. With Justin Herbert, it seemed to be the Keenan Allen show.
2: Yeah, so I if in this game. I'm starting Keenan Allen. I think that uh, he's seeing 25% of this team's market share and he's going to see Jeremy Chin uh, as uh, the corner that will be should be lined up uh, mostly against him and he should take advantage of that all day long. Keenan Allen has value as long as Justin Herbert is the quarterback uh, Mike Williams. I he's, he's very fun to watch. He's very talented, but. Herbert just isn't taking the shots down the field uh, that Tyrod did. He only saw four targets, Mike Williams, this past week. And so uh, you see a huge dip. And then you also look at the matchup. Uh, Razzell Douglas it should be, uh, you know, matched up against him. And that's not a good matchup for BMW. Um, so I would bench uh, BMW if I had him on my team. I haven't. Oh,
0: good with Sir. Yeah, and we're good with starting Keenan Allen. We like what we see there. Uh, Hunter Henry, though, Johnny, we're definitely going to fire him up as well. Oh,
2: I love Hunter Henry here. If there's any uh, guy that you are definitely starting on this team this week, it would be Hunter Henry. He's got the best matchup for tight ends, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. And he's also got Shaq Thompson uh, that is supposed to be lined up against him. And he will straight up feast on that all day long. And so uh, Herbert, actually, the big question was like, oh, is, is uh, Hunter Henry going to get targets if the rookie comes in? And we actually saw Hunter Henry get the second most targets in this game. He had six uh, and Keenan Allen had seven. So uh, you see him as a safety blanket. Hunter Henry is actually, I also think, is a buy low right now because not a lot of people are talking about him and he just hasn't had, you know, that big, huge breakout touchdown game or whatever, but it's coming.
0: All right, so moving on to the Carolina Panthers, who were devastated with the CMC injury this week. They uh, watched as as CMC has been diagnosed with four to six weeks. He's, of course, taken this as a personal challenge, wants to come back sooner, Uh, saw Saquon come back sooner last year from the same injury. So the, the hot waiver ad this week, or one of them, has been Mike Davis, there's been some talk on fantasy football Twitter of Curtis Samuel getting involved and then Reggie Bonifant getting back into the mix as well. So, I, you know, I want to know what's going on there. So, Johnny, I guess we'll start there. Mike Davis, Reggie Bonifant, CMC, Curtis Samuel, all this this thing going on here. How, how do you shake this out?
2: Yeah. So Mike Davis is the guy that I would roll with here if you have to do a spot start. You don't feel great about it. Uh, the LA Chargers are actually pretty solid against the run. Um, so I I would actually... You're going to roll him out there if you need him, right? Because there was a lot of people who, who... It was a bloodbath last week. So if you need Mike Davis this week, he should be pretty solid. Uh, Carolina's running backs are averaging 1.66 yards uh, before contact. This is number one in the league. Now, obviously a big part of that is because cmc is uh, uh the running back back there and he's talented but mike davis we saw what he came what he can do he had eight targets in the game uh, which was really interesting because cmc uh wasn't being targeted very uh very much by dj more uh by teddy bridgewater uh, but mike davis got a lot of those touches so that that's where i would roll on the running back side if i'm going anywhere uh in this in this game
0: well okay so in this one it seems to be the chargers you know, strength is probably in the past defense versus the rush defense. So, Johnny, how are you feeling? Is, is Robbie Anderson the truth? Is this a real thing? And then DJ Moore, you're probably rolling out at, at, for sure.
2: Yeah, I actually think that uh, speaking of a buy low candidate right now, I think that DJ Moore is also a, a really big buy low candidate right now. Look, this guy run, he's ran 94% of this team's routes. He's been targeted on 24% of this team's uh, he, he's getting 24% market share his average depth of target is 12.6 uh, and in the red zone he's getting 50% of uh, the end zone targets so this he just hasn't come down with them unfortunately so uh, I think that will get corrected so DJ Moore I th- I'm playing him in this I have confidence in him in this game Robbie Anderson, uh, Mr. Anderson to all of us here, as we like to say on the show, uh, I, I think that he's he's been fun to watch. And I think that continues. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater is is going to uh, have to continue to be developed in order to get that confidence to go deep uh, more often. But you, I mean, you're looking at what he's doing and he's he's producing for fantasy owners. He's uh, sporting a 10.9 average depth of target, and he's doing so, uh, doing damage after the after the catch as well with the 6.1 uh, yards after yak, as we like to say. Uh, so I like that.
0: All right, moving on to our next matchup. This one might be a snoozer. As we watch the New York Jets come to town, Indianapolis is that town, and they will be facing the Colts in a 43.5 point over-under with the Colts favored by a whopping 10.5 points. Austin when we look at the Colts side of the ball, what are the major storylines at least for fantasy football that that really have your eye in this one?
1: Well, the biggest storyline that's coming out right now is is for me two people, Jonathan Taylor, uh, obviously with the Marlon Mack injury has been getting a ton of carries, 25 I believe last week for over 100 yards, and then another injury is giving an uptick and that's the injury of Paris Campbell, prayers up for him and the impact now that this could have on TY Hilton. TY Hilton's off to a disappointing start, but the man is talented. He's playing with a brand new quarterback. There's not a lot of other options then for Philip Rivers to connect with. I think that TY Hilton will rise to the occasion sooner than later. And Jonathan Taylor is going to keep doing what the Colts hoped he would be doing when they went ahead and drafted and spent a pretty pick to pick him up there. Um that's really the major storylines that we're looking at otherwise. I mean, you could do a like an anti-storyline with Nehem Hines, who in our League of Records, somebody spent more than their entire WAB, literally, because they had made a trade to acquire extra WAB and dropped 101 on Nehem Hines. I get the play, um, but... 2020's
0: after... biggest mirage so far, Naheem mm-hmm. Hines, for yeah,
1: sure. You know, and I'm not going to take a victory lap on this one, though, but when the two-minute drill that does come out, I had a question, somebody hit me up. It's like, no mention of Neam Hines. I'm like, I get the Nehem Hines hype on this one, but stats from before are not a guarantee of what's coming up ahead. And just because Phillip Rivers had had an affection with Danny Woodhead, Austin Eckler, these pass-catching backs, it's a brand-new team. It's a brand-new jersey. We don't yet know. We can't guarantee what we're going to see. So Neam Hines, I think, is going to be a game-script-dependent type of play. It's going to be a flex-desperation throw. Who could, hell, get you a ton of points like any week? But that floor is subterranean, so I would not be feeling very confident with him there in that position. But I'm glad goes, you— out. I'm glad
0: you mentioned the matchup dependency because I think it actually works for him and it works for Phillip Rivers in a lot of games as well. If you look at what Phillip Rivers is doing here, number 11 in adjusted completion percentage with 80% uh, percent there, number 11 in pass blocking efficiency, um, 61 of 74 of his dropbacks have been from a clean pocket. We know that they're going to protect for him. I think the difference is can he push the ball down the field? And so maybe that's the concern you have with a guy like T1 T.Y. Hilton, but I like what I have what I'm seeing out of TY geez, T.Y. Hilton here, 21% market share. The next closest is Jonathan Taylor with 13%. So Rivers is also doing a great job of distributing the ball. We know we've seen seven different pass catchers with nine and a half percent or more of the market share here for them, but I still think that TY Hilton is the top dog because he's doubling uh, you know, that market share from everyone else. I think that Michael Pittman, uh, Zach Pascal are interesting in their own way. But I think with that injury to Campbell, they kind of both cap each other's upside. Uh, Pittman being a rookie, I tend to not want to trust it just yet. I am very interested, and I think you can roll him out here this week, in Mo Cox. He had a breakout week last week. He's a former basketball player. And you just saw when he had the ball in his hands how good he looked. Five for five. Uh, with 111 scoreless yards imagine if he had gotten a touchdown in that game he did drop a touchdown uh or i'm not sorry he didn't uh ty hilton had dropped a touchdown so i i just think you know you watch the jets give up two touchdowns to jordan reed last week you really like what you could see out of mo alley cox this week um and then so i'm thinking i'm starting jonathan taylor and i'm starting mo alley cox i would be willing to flex hilton here But you got to remember, I think with him and Rivers, this one could get tough because they could blow him out so early that they don't need this passing game in this one. Um, And speaking of who they're going to be blowing out, we're going to talk about the worst football team on the other side, maybe ever over here, Uh, the New York Jets. Uh, You're not starting Sam Darnold. I don't want any position that I'm starting Frank Gore, even if he's getting uh, all these carries. He hasn't averaged more than 3.9 yards per carry since 2014. Uh, We've got Jamison Crowder admitting that he can't run yet. Uh, As somebody in our League of Records said, you got to be able to run to play football. Uh, That's kind of important, and so I just don't see anybody here uh, that I'm really willing to go with, and especially with such a low team total. Can anybody
1: else make a case for a Jet here? Anybody? Herndon would be the only option, but it's such a disappointing, gross one, considering he hasn't done anything yet. I know a lot of folks, myself included, stepmom Lauren was all about Chris Herndon and the prospect of this tight end coming in and breaking out. The case for him is that there is like literally no other pass catchers available. Jamison Crowder, he can't walk yet. Uh, Brashard Perriman, he's dealing with a leg issue. He's not going to be playing this week. It looks like. Uh, I mean, for the love
0: of God, they had Braxton Berrios out there. They were feeding targets to. I mean, you know, that sounds like a made-up
1: name.
2: It sounds I mean, like a he got it. He had a villain. good game, though. I mean, yeah, that's the reality. The, the reality is it's like, yeah, these they're throwing out guys. But again, so, yeah, um, this is
1: the NFL. These guys, every single one of these players, every I don't care how bad the NFL team is. It could beat the best college team of all time. It's it's I, I take that to the bank. I will defend that point seven days out of the week and i will beat whoever wants to make the other side of the point that
2: 2000 that 2003 uh miami hurt that miami
1: they would get stomped by this team by this year's
2: (laughs) do you know who is on that team the guy that was on this team now, Frank Gore. How many NFL But Frank Gore <laughs> at twenty at at twenty years old. I'll take Frank Gore at twenty, Frank 20 over Frank know, Gore dude. at forty. You might, might
0: teach him a couple things. I don't know. He might know a couple uh, from, of those moves. Go like look at that <laughs> yeah, go look yeah. at that two thousand three
1: game. From
0: one of, from one like of the Bill's worst
1: game. Gemini Man, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh from one of the worst uh competitive games on the schedule or likely competitive games on the schedule to maybe one of the best we've got dallas at seattle here uh in a 55 and a half point over under that is the highest over under on the docket and you have got the seattle seahawks favored at home over the dallas cowboys by four and a half when i look at this i mean it's finally happening guys happening guys And and i'm sure whisper nation and people listening are like shut up about russ cooking I'm sorry, we've been asking for this for years, and it's finally happening. It has to be the number one storyline that Russ is cooking. Finally, he is a you know shoe in to be an MVP candidate, at least as long as he stays healthy. And so we've got to talk about that, Austin. Just preach a little bit. We've got to take a little bit of time and indulge Whisper Nation because obviously you're starting Russ,
1: uh, but he's can just. Can I talk killing about right the right weapons now. yet too? Can I talk about? Yeah, you can DK talk about it all, Morgan? man. Oh, my goodness. So this is such a frickin' fun unit right now. And what I mean by that, okay, so we'll touch on Russell Wilson here quickly. Russell Wilson has been a perennially, we'll say, underrated. And I was listening to Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, you know, play a little bit of like, ah, shucks, the whole world's been against Russell Wilson his whole life. How dumb are we? And we're not. We're not that dumb. Because we're talking about a five foot ten dude drafted in the third round. Okay. These are not impressive metrics when you're looking at six foot four ungodly athleticism. Like this is a guy who is quick, he's not fast. We're talking about a guy who is kind of short. We're talking about a guy who is like really smart It's Russell genius,
2: Wilson. Right? Everyone knows who Russell Wilson is. I mean, like, unless you were born things. in twenty twenty, even then you still probably know who Russell Wilson is.
1: Right, but what we're seeing now, you, we've known who Russell Wilson is, and now we're really getting to know who Russell Wilson is. And Russell Wilson, well, people might have called him, like, a system quarterback, and you can say that, sure, that's true, and the system was really good. Like, it's hard to say that Russell Wilson was the person carrying the team when he objectively was not, and this is literally no knock on Russell Wilson. He- this question for fantasy is, Do we,
0: Austin, do you buy that it's going to continue? Do you buy that yes. they're going to let him cook the entire year and – I mean, it's set it and forget it with Russ for the rest yeah. of the season, right? Do you think he's fantasy MVP no matter what here? Yeah. I mean, he was the keep trade cut you had there at the top of the show, so I understand that. I guess, Austin, what we really need to dig into here is Chris Carson because if, if Russell Wilson is the guy that's going to cook all year long, then does that affect Chris Carson in a way so negatively that you, you'd want to move on no. from him?
1: No, because Chris Carson is, he's got a 54% snap percentage. The number two is Carlos Hyde at 29%. This is Carlos Hyde's backfield. They're going to be spelling him, keeping him fresh, which I think just means he's going to continue to play at a high efficient rate all season. He's also been catching touchdown passes from Russell Wilson. He's not, he's not a pure runner. He's also catching passes and he's looking good on both sides of the ball. Um, as Russell Wilson is the most efficient quarterback we're looking at right now. The funny thing about Russell Wilson, the point that I wanted to get to here before Johnny jumped in there, was that he has he's going to be throwing crazy touchdowns all season, but I bet you you're you not going to see a lot of 300-plus yard games. It reminds me of an Aaron Rodgers from years back when the dude just throws the ball like 30-something times, and they're like all for touchdowns. So you're going to see tons of these like 280 yard passing yards and four or five touchdowns that uh, I think you're going to see a lot just because of how efficient Russell Wilson is playing. Hyper-efficient, and and his receivers are doing insane work. This is the most exciting piece right now. You know, Travi, you and I were both staunch supporters of drafting Tyler Lockett first, and there's a lot of reason for that. There's the history, there's the role, there's all this stuff. This is DK. DK Metcalf is the fantasy superior option from here on out, and to me, it's not even close. Uh, And I would love to hear a counterpoint on that with there, but here's the thing that's interesting. DK, when you look at snap share percentages for the entire NFL, every single wide receiver, number one is DK Metcalf at 99.2%. And then number four is Tyler Lockett at 94.4%. So these two guys like never leave the field. Um, Tyler Lockett is catching a few. He's getting a few more targets his way. He's got 16 on the season compared to DK's 14. But we're looking at 159 total yards on his 15 receptions versus DK's 187 yards on eight receptions. He's going down the field. He's at 23.4 yards per reception right now, DK Metcalf is. And he's, yeah, a burner. He's going down the field fast and catching passes. But he's also catching the ball and just running Stefan Gilmore over. So maybe his route tree, I'm not here to comment on what his route tree looks like his second year compared to his first, but you can just have the guy either go down the field and catch the pass or catch it close and just shove the defender over and you're going to get a lot of yards every time, no matter what, when you got a wide receiver like that. I think Tyler Lockett has been exceeding his potential for several years. I mean, another undersized guy who's really smart and got a great relationship. But DK Metcalf is like the opposite, right? He's a physical freak, dominant force. And to me, seeing him go from year year one to year two and how much growth he's had suggests to me that, oh, DK is cooking with different kinds of intangibles, right? Like he's got all this strength and skill, but he's also somebody who improves, he evolves, he gets better. And we might have like, Megatron like, as far as I'm concerned. DK Metcalf, if you got definitely. DK and Dynasty, you might have a world beater for the next 10 years.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely an exciting thing. We're starting all our Seahawks studs. They're facing the Dallas Cowboys, Johnny. And if we look at this team from the higher level view, what are some of the things you're looking at? I mean, Seattle's actually been more of a pass funnel this week or this year. Uh, their defense has been really good up front against Sun and then funneling into their, you know, kind of bad secondary. So, what are some of the things you're looking at for this week here?
2: Uh, to see where dalton schultz if he continues uh with his targets uh, a lot of he was a big waiver wire ad uh he had nine targets last last week uh will that continue or is cd lamb uh overtaking a lot of those targets as well uh, as uh michael gallup is there a new sheriff in town is it cd lamb All
0: right so after last week in that shootout with atlanta we can obviously you know start Dak and zeke here and this high over under but austin i uh, We should spend some time here discussing these wide receivers and who you feel confident starting this week because that Seattle matchup is such a juicy one to target.
1: I'm feeling good about all three wide receivers. You know, I put the two-minute drill together this morning, and I'm feeling confident about all three. And that's a weird one. It's a tough one, too, because outside of Cooper, I'm not super confident on Gallup or Lamb. I'm having fun if I'm starting Lamb, and I'm begrudgingly still starting Gallup banking on that 93.5 snap percentage that Gallup is still seeing. But CeeDee Lamb is at Uh, 82.5%. CeeDee Lamb has looked like the better option. He's been doing more with the targets he's been receiving. Um, Gallup last week was just 2 for 58 versus 6 for 106 out of CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb looks like that pro-ready receiver that Johnny was hyping up all season coming in. So Gallup's snap percentage is still there. I think that he is still a very good wide receiver. It's been two games. I think it's going to come through and be all right. I wouldn't mind benching Michael Gallup, though, if you're coin tossing between two wide receivers. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if CeeDee Lamb does eventually let you down. It's going to happen. It's a rookie wide receiver who is still the third on the depth chart. Um, But I would feel pretty good about Cooper Gallup and CeeDee Lamb if I had to start any of them or uh, even if I just wanted to. Those are good starts this week and probably most of the season moving forward.
0: Love Lamb's snaps percentage in the slot. He's exclusively been their slot-wide receiver, which is really nice to see, which means he's going to live off of mismatches all year. Dalton Schultz, if you picked him up, you obviously believe in what Blake Jarwin could have done in this offense, and after 10 targets, catching nine of them for 88 yards, you're probably firing him up this week as well. All right, so our next game is Detroit Lions visiting the Arizona Cardinals. In this one, uh, I'm pretty excited. It's a 54.5 point over-under, so just a point less than the game we talked about previously. The Arizona Cardinals favored by 5.5 points. Uh, If Kenny Galladay gets back in this game for the Lions, I really think this could be a a nice high-flying game. But if we start on the Arizona side, we seem to think here that Kyler Murray is that early-round QB that you drafted that guy that is the truth. He seems to be making plays with his legs uh, a whole lot more this year, which you really love to see for fantasy purposes. But really my big question is outside of DeAndre Hopkins, what is the other wide receiver to own here or, or to roster if there is any? This is a nice smash spot for all the guys involved. So, Austin, let's start with you know that the, the running back. core. Actually, no, let's start with the wide receiving core because I want to get your take here on what's going on with those wide receivers.
1: DeAndre Hopkins is obviously locked and loaded. They're getting more than they bargained for when they shipped Dion or David Johnson over to Bill O'Brien and the Texans for a bunch of candy uh, and not even necessarily the best Costco kind. So DeAndre Hopkins is looking super meaty. I'm loving what we're seeing over there. But after that, um, you know, Christian Kirk, a lot of folks were expecting to see a breakout year. I understand the storyline, the play style is really nice. He's got that relationship with Kyler Murray going back into college we're looking at the fifth lowest yards per reception among all wide receivers or, uh, um, not there's, there just isn't really yet that much to get excited about on the other side of Deandre Hopkins. Andy Isabella came in and caught a pass like woohoo. Um, still super stoked that the Cardinals took him over DK Metcalf and, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is in there all reliable, but it's, it's, Nobody who you can rely on if you're a fantasy uh, manager here. So I wouldn't be dropping any of the likes of Christian Kirk, but I'm certainly not starting him right now. But I'd like to know what Johnny uh, would would say here about Christian Kirk and if he thinks this is going to be a continuing trend or, or uh, something that's going to turn around here pretty quick.
2: Uh, I actually think that uh, I w- I would, I'm fine dropping Christian Kirk Uh, and I actually think that there's a really big reality that uh, within the next three weeks you start seeing more Andy Isabella Uh, Andy Isabella you said that yeah he caught one catch but that was he's now caught two massive catches in the role that Christian Kirk was supposed to play on the field and Christian Kirk is struggling so far he's getting targets uh, but he's not turning those into production and you are seeing that Andy Isabella in his limited action is producing massive plays for this offense. And that's what they need from that receiver. And so uh, don't be surprised if in, you know, come week five, come week six on our waiver wire article, uh, you see the name Andy Isabella as a waiver wire pickup uh, because that's where I see this going. I think that uh, Andy Isabella will be the the new soon to be starter uh, in Arizona.
0: I have never uh, heard so much unfounded concern as I have on fantasy football Twitter about Kenyon Drake. Uh, Kenyon Drake continues to get bell cow work in this offense. I know Chase Edmonds seems like he's getting a lot of work, but he's actually not. He's only had 15 touches over two games. And so you really like what you see. You like what you see out of Edmonds. I think he's a stash. But Kenyon Drake is a bell cow running back getting bell cow touches. The only problem here is that Kyler Murray has scored three of his five touchdowns on the ground. And so he's vultured a little bit of those touchdowns from Kenyon Drake, but that usage you have to love. On the other side of the ball, uh, you know, jo- Johnny, we have seen Kenny G kind of push this offense backwards, right? And, and, or his absence has pushed this offense backwards. What are you seeing out of Detroit and what concerns you specifically for this week?
2: Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to play any of these running backs, it would be DeAndre Swift. But even then, it's going to be a flex option. And I don't even know how much of an upside it really has. Uh, You know, DeAndre Swift, we saw him come in, uh, you know, against the Packers. He had 60 receiving yards. I expect him to be in a similar role here. I expect uh, Detroit Lions to be trailing in this game. And as a result, uh, they will need to put the pass catcher in. Uh, Now, On Johnson was the one that got the touchdown last week. We saw Adrian Peterson be productive uh, week one. So I don't know exactly what the game plan is going to roll out for these two uh, between Adrian Peterson and on this week. Uh, But I'm not really interested in either one. And I'm only interested in DeAndre Swift if I need a a flex spot or, you know, if one of my running backs went down. uh, I think that we're still in a hold and wait uh, spot with DeAndre Swift
0: desperation flex there uh is it time to get desperate and needy and maybe move past matthew stafford austin
1: uh i mean matthew stafford was always going to be a quarterback for you that you knew can get it done week in week out but on the out weeks you're gonna be looking at other available streamable quarterback coming in for you he's a he's a big ben type to me a guy who can come in get you five thousand yards in a season but you're gonna have a couple of Games in there where he might get you under 200 yards and a couple of turnovers and no tutties. That's what we've always seen from Matt Stafford. I think that's more of what we're going to see from Matt Stafford. But I like having him on my roster with another quarterback because Kenny Galladay is coming back. I think TJ Hawkinson is only going to continue to get more integrated into the system. He's still not even 100% healthy. Uh, And Marvin Jones and, and that whole stable of running backs, while not great for fantasy, I think is pretty good. For Matt Stafford and I'm not I don't have I think Matt Stafford should be on your roster unless you've got a real elite option otherwise at least somebody has a streamable play weekend weekend.
0: Johnny let's say you know because everything's pointing towards Kenny get Kenny Galladay making his return in week three let's say he does play any interest in Marvin Jones TJ Hawkinson both either what's your take on those two?
2: Uh, I would not play TJ Hawkinson in this game. I think the Cardinals have figure out, figured out the tight end position uh, or how to how to stop it now. We've seen George Kittle be, I understand he got injured, but he still wasn't having a good day. You had Logan Thomas, who is being a pretty, uh, you know, somewhat of a breakout tight end. He was uh, down to only 29 receiving yards last week against the Cardinals. So, uh, and TJ has been kind of hit and miss as it is as a wide receiver or, you know, as the second Passing option, uh, so I would not uh, start TJ this week uh, if Kenny G is is playing You know, it, it's hard a hamstring and you're going against Patrick Peterson, but I'll be honest I didn't like what I saw with Patrick Peterson last week. So uh, I would still feel comfortable Firing up Marvin Jones uh, because I think he'll get the Fitzba- uh, Fitzpatrick Uh I don't think he'll be covered by Patrick Peterson And, you know, I think he's just a little bit safer. So I'm okay with playing Marvin Jones in this this matchup.
0: Our next game on the slate is the Denver Broncos hosting the Tampa Bay, or should I say Tampa Bay, Buccaneers. It's a 43-and-a-half point over-under with Tampa Bay coming in on the road, favored, and that mostly has to do with the fact that maybe San Francisco, but maybe no other team besides that has been ravaged with injury like the Denver Broncos. A Cortland Sutton injury after trying to battle back from a, a shoulder indus, indus, injury br- blows out his knee here. Drew Locke goes down with a shoulder injury. We've got Philip Lindsay out with uh, with turf toe, so we've got all these things mounting, uh, and that brings in Jeff Driscoll. Austin, when you look at this offense, what is Jeff just? What does Jeff Driscoll do to inspire confidence in the pass catchers for you here?
1: You tell me, man. Um, <laughs> I'm not getting inspired. Uh, you know, it's the NFL any given Sunday. These are all pro athletes. Anything can happen. We're looking at a 53% completion percentage uh, through for 256 yards against the Steelers. Um, not extremely exciting. That 53% completion percentage is not inspiring anything but. Uh, fear and doubt and bad emotions and then the pass catching weapons to go along with Dreft disco uh just double down on all of those sentiments there um I'm Noah Fant looks awesome uh he looks like uh, I love this year for tight ends right now with the Jonu Smiths and the um Noah Fant Mike and Becky Noah oh, Fant yeah we're yeah, popping off guys. in a big
0: I, way I
2: do want to I do want to say that uh some interesting names here Jerry Judy uh, he dropped five. He's had five drops. So uh, Driscoll could have had an even better day if it weren't for Jerry Judy uh, dropping all those targets. And but I'm I'm not saying you're gonna start him. But I'm just saying that's pretty impressive against the Steelers defense. So I think that there's actually an option where Jerry Judy and actually if a, a deep waiver wire stash for sixteen teamer KJ Hamler actually had uh the uh tied for the uh league or not the league but the uh, team high and targets last week and uh and he actually was 12th in air yards uh and so you always look about you know some talked about it on the last show how you look at the air yards uh to give an indication as to a guy who might pop off and uh that's kj hamler
1: if you're in a 20 team league with starting four wide receivers and you want a real kj hamler out there like awesome that's great but i don't know what kind of league you're going to be putting kj hamler in your starting lineup and being like you watch this opponent
0: well and, hey and, and maybe then you look, the tampa uh, maybe. bay Pass defense, yeah, I think I think K.J. Hamler might be a pickup is what Johnny's saying there, but as far as this week, a pass defense that ranks sixth in the NFL, that is Tampa. So I think Noah Fant's the only pass catcher here that maybe you're feeling comfortable starting. You've got to sit on Jerry Judy, I think, until you can see it build with Jeff Driscoll. I don't think you could trust it this week. But then Melvin Gordon, he played 78% of snaps, 76% of the rushing attempts. He had 67% uh, of... Uh, I'm sorry of the, I botched that. Sorry, I'm reading these notes here. <laughs> so, but anyways, the the point is, is that he had good volume there. He's going to be the workhorse back with Philip Lindsay out. He's got good volume up against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, last week, and and so that gives you confidence that he can get it done against this Tampa defense this week. I think you're starting Melvin Gordon, and you're okay starting uh, Noah Fant with tempered expectations. On the other side of the ball, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in uh, Austin. When we look at this team, I think the biggest storyline, the the real big one here
1: is Leonard Fournette versus Ronald Jones. Hmm. Ronald Jones lost his job last week, at least as that starting role. He's going to be a really, really good uh, number two behind Leonard Fournette. Um, but Leonard Fournette, uh, it's, it's now, it looks to be his show moving forward. And um, Johnny, I mean, you've been looking at Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. I know that this has been uh, a big one for you right now. How are you feeling here about about this now switch or perceived shift? Shift is this legit and do the numbers hold to that?
2: Yeah, so uh, Leonard Fournette definitely is going to be the lead dog now. He might not get the very first carry. They're going to use a three down system, uh, which is really interesting, but. To- to be to ease the the pain or like not to freak Fournette owners out uh, or uh, people who roster Fournette. But uh, he Fournette is the the guy that is the closer, the quote unquote closer. Um, they broke it down basically when the uh, T- Tampa Bay is up by four or more points. Leonard Fournette is in the game. I expect this to even go up as we continue to get deeper and deeper in the season as he continues to learn this playbook. But as of right now, uh, LaShawn McCoy seems to have that, you know, third down scat back role. Uh, and then uh, Ronald Jones has that early down work. But again, I think that he is going to take a backseat. I think this is all Leonard Fournette. I feel confident starting Leonard For or I should. Reel that back. I think you should feel confident as Leonard Fournette as an RB2 this week, um, but his outlook for the season is an RB1.
0: Any situation where you'd start Ronald Jones in this matchup? No. Okay, and then Tom Brady has, has been a complete whiff pretty much at the position. Are we okay moving on for Tom Brady for a guy like Ryan Tannehill, Gardner Minshew, things like that?
2: I would still hold out one more. I want to see this matchup because we still haven't seen, you know, a full game with, you know, Chris Godwin and a full healthy Mike Evans. Like they could still get that going. So I do want to see it. I would give him one more week. But it, the confidence Scotty is... Miller
0: was a popular waiver wire ad last week. Any confidence? If Chris Godwin does not go, if he can't get back. Are you going to roll with Scotty Miller again?
2: In a deeper league, if you're in, you know, a 14 or 16 team league, uh, then yeah, you, you might have to. But if you're in a 12 team or 10 team, no. Uh, no.
0: All right. One of my most, uh, you know, look, the game I'm maybe looking forward to the most because I'm a Packers fan is the Sunday night football game. The Green Bay Packers will travel to New Orleans and face the Saints in a game that is a 51 and a half point over under with New Orleans favored here. Uh, because there's no respect on my Packers name here. New Orleans is favored by three and a half. Um, And I'm really excited to see what happens in this matchup because we're seeing a different, maybe not a completely different, but a a very different New Orleans uh, Saints team here, not a team that's pushing the ball down the field so much. Um, Johnny, when you look at this squad and you look at Drew Brees, what concerns you the most here?
2: Well, obviously, it's the the lack of taking the shots down the field, right? Uh, his a uh, average depth of target uh, was one of the lowest this past week uh, that we've ever seen, and uh, for Drew Brees, right? And then there was interview questions asked asked after, and you know, Drew Brees kind of gave the answer of, "Hey, I'm not here to you know throw the ball down the field. I'm here to do whatever it needs to do, uh, whatever I need to do to win a game, and I'm doing." What I need to do. I think it's interesting to note, though, that now you know we saw Michael Thomas. You know, lived off of these slant routes, right? And it could have been a a true thing that Sean Payton saw Drew Brees, uh, his arm talent diminishing, and so that's why he kind of tailored that to that offense. Um, Now, with that said. I have all the confidence in the world in Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara, if we're redrafting today, is honestly probably the RB1 off the board, maybe the RB2. Um, There's a little bit of an argument there um, between Zeke and and AK, but I would would probably say AK. He's looking great.
0: Yeah, so I think this one it's weird because I was asked if Drew Brees is droppable. And I actually do think that he is at this point when there's some streamable options out there, but maybe not this week, as it is a 55 51 and a half point over under, they are favored only by three. I think this is a situation where Drew Brees, and maybe that's the case, you know, week to week, Austin, that he could dump off two to three touchdowns to Alvin Kamara or, you know, whoever, you know, Jared cook and actually make your day in games that he's favored. But, I just think this is actually turning more towards that old school team of run the ball and do the bare minimum to win the game and rely on their defense.
1: Drew Brees has always been a volatile fantasy quarterback for you. I know he's an all-time great, but he is pretty volatile week in, week out. And as he's gotten older, it's more outs than ins. And bigger I don't swings. know why bigger swings and I think his upside is diminished. I couldn't I don't know how you could say it's not especially right now with michael thomas out and keep in mind his it's not like his number one is a tyreek hill explosive playmaker down the field burn everybody around it's you know let me catch the ball for six yards and fall forward and do that a thousand times and so that really plays into this aging drew breeze um it's they're gonna still win a lot of games it's a good defense great run game smart quarterback uh, just not really good for your fantasy squad
0: for other options, as we've discussed already. You're throwing out Jared Cook there. You're throwing Alvin Kamara out there. And maybe you, what the heck's Traquan, uh, what the heck flex in Traquan Smith there. On the other side of the ball, we have the Green Bay Packers. And Johnny, when we look at the higher level narratives here, Aaron Rodgers is making a case for MVP as well. Aaron Jones and his in his touchdown regression is seems to be out the window here. And then that
2: wide receiving core, hopefully uh, Devontae Adams is able to make it back. Yeah, I mean, this... This offense is looking to take a step forward. We all thought it was going to take a step back, and that is definitely not the case. My question is here. uh, Aaron Jones, RB1, right? We're like... Entire fantasy community is wrong on Aaron Jones, right? We saw the touchdown regression. But would you guys almost sell high on Aaron Jones right now considering the fact that what we have seen to this point... I mean, he is scoring... On insane like if you look at the sound he's got 51 percent snap share yet leads the league in touchdowns and yards and 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 your overall yards like that that is pretty yeah, unlikely I mean, this is the to case continue I made.
0: this is the case i made two years ago with aaron jones that i'll make again now i think aaron jones is alvin kamara light i think he works off huge high efficiency and when you say things like oh yeah he's you know, but what about this 51% snap share? But he leads the league in rushing yards. 143 of his 234 league leading rushing yards, 143 of those have been after contact. The guy is good. He's a great running back and he's showing it in this league. And I think they are going to continue to, I think no matter what happens, especially in the splits with Devontae Adams, when Devontae Adams gets dinged up, Aaron Jones balls out. And so I think that he's actually one of the safer guys that you got in the second round. Because the team, even if the team's really good on offense, he kills it. And if the team is okay on offense, he continues to kill it. He's a, he's a main cog of that Shanahan-style Matt LaFleur offense. Are
2: you, are you a- not?
0: A.J. A- 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 Dillon is going to get more involved as this season. I'm not even going. worried about A.J. Yeah. Dillon. I'm worried about either. Jamal Williams. Like Jamal 41%, <laughs> 41% snap share for Jamal Williams. He's the guy Rodgers said had the best camp. I would be worried if you're worried about anyone vulturing. It's Jamal Williams. It's not AJ Dillon for me this year. And Aaron Jones continues to be the red zone guy. And it's not even the red zone carries. He gets the targets in the red zone. Six red zone targets leads the NFL through two games.
2: But are you are you not putting any stock in the fact that he faced Minnesota, who has the that's the worst defense, and then he played the Detroit Lions, who uh, sure gets gave... to
0: play them again too. He's got two games against him again, too.
2: Well, only one more because they just played him. Yeah,
0: I mean, their next their next weeks, uh, Johnny, are Atlanta, Tampa Bay. That one's a little bit tougher. And Houston. So those yeah. are two great matchups, plus the two you just mentioned. Uh, he's got to play them again, Detroit and Minnesota. So, I, I mean, I don't know what we're selling high to do uh, except to miss out on more touchdowns and points. Okay. And what game script isn't going to work well for Aaron Jones? That's And that's that's what I mean, man. He's one of the better receivers out of the running back position that we've seen right now. And so I think we kind of summed it up not to make it a Packers show. I think you start Aaron Rodgers here. You're starting Aaron Jones. And if Devontae Adams makes it back, you're going to start him, too. I guess I'll just ask you, Johnny, what you think of MVS versus Lazard in this game? Or can you feel comfortable starting both?
2: I would not if I'm going to if I'm going to start one of these guys, I think I'm going to go with MBS. Uh, I just think that he has the boom upside that you're looking for. If you're going to start a guy, I don't think that I you know the Lazard is coming into his 1104 uh, average up the target target. That's very, very nice. But it's looking like Aaron Rodgers is really trying to get MBS involved and really taking those shots with MBS. So give me that guy over the guy that's going to be doing um, that Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to be looking for as often down the field.
0: All right, to- my from my favorite game on the docket to maybe my second favorite game on the docket we're going to go to the monday night football game to close out the week and what a flipping dandy we've got here kansas city the super bowl champs they're going to face off against baltimore ravens and the reigning mvp and lamar jackson it's lamar jackson versus patrick mahomes austin you've talked about this as you know the
1: face of the nfl game And it should be. And you've got a couple of similarities from our two marquee quarterbacks here in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. When I was doing a dive through the analysis on here, a couple of things stood out to me, surprisingly. And then a couple of things really contrasted, uh, which I'd like to touch on here. The similarities being their deep ball attempts, both surprisingly low, especially for Patty Mahomes. Uh, They're both tied at 22 in deep ball attempts at 5.1. and, uh, excuse me, uh, 5.2 completions. And the part that gives me a little bit of a concern, though, about Patrick Mahomes, and then we'll start with the bad, and then we'll get to the good. With Patrick Mahomes over here, we're looking at a 20, number 21 in adjusted completion percentage. So for the listeners out there, that's when you take out things like drops and throwaways and really just taking a look at how accurate was he when he was trying to connect with his receiver. Patrick Mahomes right now is the number 21 quarterback in the NFL, and he's the number 17 quarterback in clean pocket QBR. Um, So that means when he's got the time to throw, how good is he when the pocket is protecting him? And the answer is he's meh right now. The Chiefs are going to keep balling. They got these options, but Patrick Mahomes is off to a slower start right now, surprisingly. On the other side of the ball, Lamar Jackson is the complete opposite. And it was really surprising to me when I was sorting by those columns and seeing who popped up at the very top spot in so many of them. He is the flat out number one quarterback with quarterback rating in the clean pocket. That's that stat we just mentioned there. He's at 141.9. That's a full 10 points ahead of Jared Goff, who's the number two quarterback right now. So when he's got a pocket to throw from, he's the most accurate, most efficient quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even close. Uh, He's also got an 84.8 adjusted completion percentage. That's third in the league just behind Russell Wilson and Jared Goff. He's also on pace for 792 rushing yards. So the man is throwing at maybe the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, um, just right behind there by a couple. And there's a couple of stats suggesting that Lamar Jackson actually is the most efficient quarterback throwing the ball in the NFL. And then he's still on pace for just under 800 rushing yards. So um, those are just like on the quarterback ones. and that's what we were going to talk about, but it's too exciting of a contrast to compare. No, I mean,
0: yeah, you I love it there. And what you found out, Johnny, is that we've been asking, well, can can Lamar Jackson improve as a passer? Those were the questions all off season, and he seems to be answering – with a resounding yes i wanted to give you a hypothetical johnny um if you if you were at the top of drafts in a lot of drafts this year you drafted cmc or saquon who are both hurt and then you at the turn you had an opportunity to get probably patrick mahomes so say you're a gm with cmc No, let's say saquon because that's the long-term injury Mm -hmm. and you have pat mahomes given what austin's seen here and the slow start from mahomes are you willing to part with mahomes stream the quarterback position Maybe you picked up a Minshew or something to get your running back replacement in fantasy.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. If you need to do that, that's you know, Pat Mahomes can definitely get you some kind of uh you know, haul back. So if if I'm looking at that kind of situation, I would definitely go that route. That's probably gonna be your easiest. Uh I will say that, yeah, if you're in that position, it's it's probably uh, it, it's going to be difficult to get out unless you do a move like that. And that's the easiest one to do is just the and, and go that route for sure.
0: Austin, when we look at this matchup for Baltimore uh, with their running backs, they're facing a Kansas City team that's 25th ranked with running backs here. But we've seen all sorts of different things happening. How would you shake out this running back situation? And most importantly,
1: how do you view it for this week? So it's hard not to lean on Mark Ingram still, but it's really just hanging on by a thread for me. Last week, I believe, showed a lot here in Mark Ingram scampered for that 20 plus touchdown run, which kind of made everybody forget that he actually had less touches and less yards per carry than Gus Edwards did. And J.K. Dobbins is still this highly touted rookie who is looking like that number three choice there. So it's a full-on committee situation that's going on. They're shaking it out as it goes. Um, For this week, I mean, I want to say Mark Ingram, but I also picked up Gus Edwards in our League of Record. Gus Edwards is the number 11 elusive halfback all season. And this also includes A.J. Dillon with his, like, three carries, who's, like, number two. Do Do
2: you know who is, like, five on that list?
1: I bet you do.
2: Yeah, I do. My boy, a Boston Scott.
1: Boston Scott. <laughs> do you know who's number forty-two on that list? I do not. J.K. Dobbins is number forty-two on the yeah. elusive list, and Mark Ingram. I literally couldn't even find him. I like click, <laughs> click clicking pages and doing Command F. I N G R A M. I swear to God, I looked up how to spell his name. I couldn't find him on there. So Gus Edwards, who averages like five point three yards for his career, five point two yards per carry this season thus far led the team in touches last week, was the most efficient runner, had the most yards, had the most carries, averages over five yards a carry for his career on 230 rushing attempts. Is it time to ride the Gus bus? The answer is no, but get a ticket because it's coming by and the answer might be soon. So that's how I would feel about it. You can't go wrong. I'd still start I, Ingram this week. But I am invested in Ingram Edwards. I'm invested in Ingram and
0: Dobbins in multiple leagues. Uh, In some leagues, one or the other, Um, I think both and and all three of these backs are a hold until we can see more. I think this is going to be every matchup, every game script is going to be different and how this coaching staff wants to use them. So I would advise Whisper Nation to not start any if you can help it, but maybe you can't and you're in a situation with CMC or Saquon and you need to ride one. So I like the perspective there.
2: I do want to say that if you do have to start one, it does seem like Mark Ingram is kind of the grinder. Uh, so this game should be a little bit closer. So when that is the case, then Baltimore generally goes with Ingram. So this would generally point to more of an Ingram game, uh, if anything. So if, if you're going to feel any kind of confidence, I would roll with Ingram in that. But I'm not feeling confident Austin. in that.
0: When we look at the pass catchers, it seemed to be when we came into this year it was Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Are you still feeling, especially in this high projected shootout, that it would be
1: Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews as locked in here? Mark, Well, Marquise Brown is going to be a boomer bust play any week, 74% snap percentage on the year, 14 three-point yards per reception, which is a disappointing number. I have to believe that's going to be increasing. So if you can be starting Marquise Brown when his yards – her reception is increasing. That's going to be a good week for you. I'm not feeling good about Snead or Boykin. Um, if you absolutely had to, you could go with it. I mean, Snead last week was six for six on 93 yards, and Boykin seven for nine, 95 yards. So, not bad, um, but it's still Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. You, you talked about Aaron Jones being uh, an Alvin Kamara light. I mentioned this to you before, travi Mark Andrews to me is kind of like the Alvin Kamara of the tight end position. Uh, we were expecting Mark Andrews to be getting the lion's share of the of the snaps. He is definitely leading, but he's at 58% in week two, which is not a dominant number from the tight end. But Back still to what he was getting eight. last year. Yeah, and so, but he's the number eight tight end overall. I think that continues to increase and go up. Um, so he's kind of like, he's not going to be a huge volume play, uh, but it, at least in terms of opportunities, but when he gets them, he does really good work, and Lamar Jackson likes him a lot, and he's a supreme talent and has a really established role on that team.
0: On the Kansas City side, we're starting Lamar, or we're starting Patrick Mahomes, we're starting CEH, we're starting Tyreek Hill, and we're starting Travis Kelsey. It gets interesting, Johnny, when we look at the wide receivers because Sammy Watkins went out with a head injury. I'm not sure if they believe he'll play. It's something to monitor here. But if Watkins were to miss, do you like McCole Hardman to finally get that breakout or do you think it's a Demarcus Robinson or would you be fading both in this matchup?
2: Honestly, I'd probably be fading both in this matchup. It is against Baltimore. Baltimore's defense is really good. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm actually concerned as well for Patrick Mahomes in this game because Patrick Mahomes, uh, like we said, he has been not uh, playing as well. I, th- I still think this offense is still trying to figure itself out. Uh, now they do have a piece like CH. And if you're looking at a, a way to beat Baltimore, uh, it's through the run game. And that was what... They, that's what they were trying to do last week in, in Houston, but unfortunately they couldn't uh, because they fell behind too quickly. So um, it will be interesting to see. I'm only starting Tyreek Hill here. Uh, that would be it. But it will be interesting to see what Meikle can do.
0: Well, that rounds it out for us, guys, with our Week 3 matchups. Uh, part two is now complete. As always, if you're not subscribed to us over on YouTube, make sure you are. You search the Fantasy Whispers on YouTube for ARC for game time. I'm Big Travy. We are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out.
2: Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.